welcome to Santa Barbara Talks with Josh Molina. And this is a real pleasure for me today because I have the opportunity to interview a man who I very much respect for his journal journalism acumen and his ability over the years to just tell stories consistently and in several different incarnations. You know, I've worked with this gentleman since uh, 1999, and I have the pleasure of working with him again uh, in the last seven years. And uh, he just is the jack of all trades and somebody who I really admire for a lot of reasons. So it's real pleasure today to be able to talk to Mr. Tom Bolton. How are you today, Tom? I'm really well, Josh, and thanks so much for having me on your podcast. Yeah, thank you. I've been looking forward to this. I want to talk to you and introduce you a little bit to uh, people who may not know NewsHawk. Obviously, a lot of people do know NewsHawk, but can you tell me, Tom, what it is that you do at NewsHawk and what role you play and uh, what what role does NewsHawk have in this community? Okay, sure. Yeah. Well, so my title is executive editor, and in that role, I am have the overall responsibility for the news department operations. Um, as you know, we have a very small news department, um, although I think we're, we certainly punch above our weight and are very efficient uh, in, in what we do. Um, and I think we have an incomparable team. Um, I am also one of the co-owners of NewsHawk. There are three of us, um, Bill McFadden, who founded NewsHawk, myself, and then Kim Clark, who's our a VP of business development and basically runs the advertising size of the business. So that's a different hat that I wear um, in terms of helping to, you know, guide the business part of what we do. Uh, but most of what I do is, is overseeing the news department. And, and again, as you know, everybody in our news department, regardless of title is, is a reporter and is a photographer. And we all do a lot of, you know, on the ground journalism. And, and frankly, that's one of the things I really love about NewsHawk is, that we get to do that. Um, so often when you become a, a, a more senior editor at a, in a news organization, quite frankly, you, you kind of end up as an administrator and you know that's important work, but I really enjoy the reporting part of it and the, the true journalism part of it. As to what you know, NewsHawk is, um, we are, I think you know, the, the best comparison would be, we are the online version of your daily newspaper, uh, general interest daily newspaper. We cover, pretty much all the goings on in the community. Um, I think, you know, we um, focus a lot on breaking news um, because people are very interested in that. And that really drives a lot of our traffic, but that's only a part of what we do. We also cover um, local government. You of course cover the city councils. We cover school boards. Uh, we cover the nonprofit community. We cover sports um, really more than anyone else in our, in our community. Um, so it really, it's your daily, newspaper is just there's no paper yeah i mean we we definitely you know i work at NewsHawk. you you're my editor executive editor and we definitely punch above our weight i think that's a really good uh, way of phrasing it i want to talk to you about you tom and what you do specifically a lot of people are familiar with you in the context of wow that tom bolton has breaking news <laughs> all the time you have so many breaking news bylines and it's really just kind of part of your skill set you know you're you, you're you're a manager you're an editor you do so much that people don't see but what people do see is 
breaking news, the car crash, the fire, uh, the accident, so much of what happens in this community, Newshawk, and I, I don't think anyone would dispute this, even our competitors, Newshawk has it first, consistently, always. And that is you. That is, I mean, for, for somebody who works at Newshawk, that is you. Obviously, you work with everyone else to uh, help create that, but you're the one who's leading that charge. Can you talk to me about what that's like? How, how, do you, how, are, how can you be such a prolific breaking news reporter? Well, I, I mean, a lot of it is, is because of my, my job, Josh. I, um, I'm at the desk you know, most of the time. I, my, that's the kind of work I do. I sit at a desk at a computer, as opposed to you know, yourself. You're, you go to a council meeting or school board meeting or you go out to do interviews. Um, I do far less of that. So by virtue of that fact, I'm also listening to the police scanner all the time. I'm monitoring social media. I'm monitoring um, the various sources that we get, you know, email that we get uh, breaking news from. And so it's very easy for me to just quickly bang out at least the start of a breaking news story. Um, and, you know, I'm not the only one that does that. Uh, you know, John Magnoli, our managing editor, does it. Uh, Janine Scully in, our, in the North County, our North County editor does it. And all of you do it as well. Um, but realistically, I'm the one who is, like I say, generally sitting at the desk. And so I, I think that's why it looks like I'm like more immersed in it than might otherwise be the case, especially for someone with my title. Um, I find it interesting. And I also know that um, our readers really depend on it. Um, you know, with the, with the internet today, there's this expectation that new or information is just going to be instantaneous just something happens and it's just going to be on the internet and that doesn't just happen i mean if somebody has to actually do that and it's sometimes funny because we'll there'll be an incident going on and then we'll get a an email it's like why haven't you reported on the the, the fire down the street and it's like well you know the fire engine hasn't gotten there yet <laughs> and yet you're there's an expectation and, and certainly we, we play to that. Um, uh, we want people to think that if something serious is going on in their community, in their neighborhood, that they can come to Newshawk and, and in most cases find out something about what's going on. And how did you how do you do that for, for people who aren't familiar with how journalism works in the newsroom or, you know, during the pandemic, you know, we're all working from home. Are you listening to the scanner and you've developed this knowledge of how to hear the scanner and what is news and what isn't? Can you talk to me about that process? Because sure. you're, you're on it really quickly and that's not a skill that a lot of people have naturally. Yeah, well, no doubt the police scanner is an important part of that. Um, and it's the emergency personnel, they have their own lingo. They don't, they don't say... Um, you know, always, they don't always talk in words. A lot of what they talk in is codes. So they'll, they'll, they'll say that's an uh, 1185. We need an 1185, which means they need a tow truck. They don't just say, Hey, we need a tow truck. Um, and they've got a, a whole giant list of codes and, and they, they do tones to dispatch the fire agencies. Um, and so, yeah, you listen to it. I have it on pretty much all the time in the background. And I've gotten to the point, um, I'm fortunate that I have a a very high tolerance for distraction. So I can have that, um, you know, in the background and it doesn't bother me. I think other people would probably go crazy. Um, so we do that. Um, we monitor social media. Um, I'm, I'm on Twitter all day long and I am, you know, many, many of the public uh, emergency agencies uh, will tweet out when incidents are going on, uh, vegetation fire, uh, you know, motor vehicle accident, what have you. 
Um, we monitor our, our competitors um, because they're out there doing a lot of what we're doing. And so it's just that combination. So let's say we find out there's a vegetation fire that's been reported up at Hollister Ranch. Um, that just happened recently. So we, we listen and we listen to the scanner. And when the first units get on scene, they will typically provide what we call a size up. And basically they're, they're gonna say, they're, they're gonna tell the, the people back at dispatch what they think is going on. So let's say, okay, we've got a vegetation fire burning on Hollister Ranch right now it's two acres, you know, moderate rate of spread in, um, you know, whatever, they'll give those details. And so we listen to that. And then from that, you size up, okay, well, what is this worth? Um, a lot of times a motor vehicle accident, uh, they'll, once they get there, they'll say, well, this is non-injury. For the most part, if it's a non-injury accident, we won't report it unless it's causing a major disruption. And as we've seen remarkably often in the last uh, few weeks, if you get the crash in the right place on 101, it shuts down the freeway. And that, that causes a huge impact not just for the people on the freeway, but for the people in the surrounding neighborhoods. So we want to get something up as quickly as possible that says, here's what's going on. The Highway Patrol has a website that, um, that puts out their, all their dispatch information. So we can go and look and see what they think is happening. And so you've got all these little places you're going to to get information. And pretty quickly, you can write at least a general account of what's happening. And then, we, as you know, we will update those as time passes, as we get more details, as we're able to talk to public information officers or pick up information that they're sending out on social media. Um, we have photographers um, who respond to many of these incidents. They'll be sending in photos so we can add those as well. And so some stories may get updated you know, several times before the final version. Do you get tired? How do you push through? Um, you know, I admire what you do because you know, I'm my age and I know what I'm capable of and I know my limits. And, um, you know, when you've been in the business for a long time, you, you evolve, you change and some things get a little bit more difficult. Some things become a little bit more uh, easy to manage and handle. Can you talk to me about how you stay motivated to cover so much, so much volume uh, for, for Newshawk when, when there's a million other things, you, you know, you might you could be doing probably? Well, you know, I, I, I believe in journalism and I believe in what we do. Um, I think it's really important. It always sounds kind of Pollyannish, but I, I, I think it's an important element of democracy. Um, so that's always been a motivation for me. I, I think it is probably for you as well. And, and for most of the journalists I know. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it can be very exhausting. Um, you know, one of the best journalists I ever worked with was a, a fellow named Alan Parsons, who was the executive editor at the news press um, at, at one point. And one of the things he often said was that, you know, one of the most important qualities of, of a good editor, and I think it's true of a good journalist, is, is just stamina, is just being able to keep coming back and doing it time and again. Um, and, you know, there's times with all of us, I think, that we, we get tired and, and maybe we don't deliver as good a a result as we, we might otherwise. But, you know, I know there's people out there that depend on us. And I think we've built that trust and, and that expectation. And I just feel like we, we have to live up to that. Um, you know, part of it's delegating, learning to, you know, get other people to be involved as well and not trying to do everything yourself. Um, on a small team, that can be challenging because, as again, as you well know, we just don't have a lot of folks contributing our content. Um, the good news is we've got a great team. We've got great folks. And I think that makes a real difference. 
You, know, you mentioned Alan Parsons. I wanted to flash back a little bit. When, when I was hired at the, the news press in 1999, I was like just very young. You know, I wasn't that young in age. I think I was like 24, but, but I was young and inexperienced and not, you know, you have, it takes a few years to figure out what you're doing when you start cool. out. And no, I remember being so intimidated by everyone who worked there. It was this incredible building. It was owned by the New York Times. And I remember you very clearly. You know, you always wore a suit. You were the managing editor at that time. Uh, you know, when you would walk in the newsroom, I would straighten up a little bit. You know, Tom's <laughs> around. Tom's listening. You know, and Alan Parsons also. He was the executive editor. And right. it was a, a really you know, remarkable time because everyone who was in the newsroom during that period, I think was really good and they got better. They constantly improved. There was active management and there was just a little bit of a kind of a, just a capturing, you know, sort of magic in a bottle for a little while there. And that's when I came, you know, you were there before me. Uh, can you talk about those days when you were the managing editor and what was, what was so special about that time? Of course, nothing's perfect. I'm sure people, sure. Don't, a lot of people don't like what we did at that time too, but you know, there's always those critics, but it was a really good newsroom. Uh, can you talk about what you recall about those days? Sure. Yeah. You know, the, but the New York Times era at, at the news press was, was really special, um, especially at its peak. Um, you know, first of all, you have this, you know, company that is really um, tr truly dedicated to quality journalism. And of course, we were separate from the New York Times. I mean, they, they were their own world and we didn't really intersect the, that a whole lot. But the company really believed in, in you know, quality uh, journalism. And I think at the peak, they owned about 30 newspapers around the country. Um, and we were one of them. And um, th just their commitment, um, they brought resources in, um, they added staff, you know, they or allowed us to add staff. Um, they provided training um, that was unlike anything we had ever seen. Um, they brought, they bring in people from like sometimes from the New York Times to, to mentor us or to work with us on different aspects of what we were doing. Um, and, it, you know, at its peak, it was a, a, a really great, you know, mid-sized newspaper, a small to mid-sized newspaper. Um, and you know, I'm really proud of a lot of the work we did in those days. And there was, you know, different editors over the over the time, and, and they all had their kind of style and, and approach. But if you just look at overall at the kind of work that was being done then, and the size of the staff, I think at the peak, we had, I think, 70 people in the newsroom. I mean, there's probably not 70 journalists in Santa Barbara County today, you know, there's probably maybe half that. Yeah. Um, and yet that was just just at the news press. So so it was a lot of fun. Now, I will say that, you know, in the later years, as the newspaper business started to, I won't say collapse, but we'll say retreat, um, the, the days weren't as good. The, a lot of those uh, resources were taken away or weren't there anymore. Um, but if you look at the glory days, and I think you kind of hit it right at the sweet spot um, when that was happening. Um, I'm really grateful I had that opportunity. I got to work with some great people, Alan among them, you know, David McCumber, um, you know, Rusty Ryan. Um, you know, I mean, I remember sitting at lunch with, um, you know, the Salzburgers. They'd come out every once in a while and once in a while we'd get invited to go. And, you know, for a guy who 
I mean, I was, I was not young, but I was not like some veteran of the big leagues. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, I like this podcast because I can say things to people that I wouldn't really have a forum to say one-on-one without it being too awkward. But I want to, I want to ask you about this is one thing that I really notice about you and appreciate as somebody who's worked with you over the years is you're consistently reliable. You, you always are the same. You always give a reasoned, well thought out response and reaction. Uh, you, you aren't up and down. You, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, offend anyone. You aren't emotional. You know, you, you, you look at every situation objectively with the facts, the pros and cons. You do kind of a cost benefit analysis for, for almost everything consistently. And that really blows me away because, you know, as you know, we're journalists, we work with all kinds of weird people and personalities, and there's all kinds of like weird stuff, you know, and people are great journalists, sometimes they're not great people, you know, you kind of have to learn how to live sometimes in a state of dysfunction in a newsroom and journalists know what I mean, good people, but lots of different emotions there. And you were constantly somebody who I can go to and expect a answer that is the best answer for the greater good consistently and and I don't know that I've ever worked with anybody like that and and you don't you don't also um uh, what's the word um you don't sort of cater to what you think somebody wants to hear that's the interesting thing I mean there have been many times when I've asked you things and you've never like couched it or phrased it or coddled it so that oh let me just tell him this to make him feel good. It's consistently the best advice for the situation. And that's rare in my experience working with, with anybody and working with journalists. Can you talk about like your upbringing and and where that comes from and and why you approach things that way? Because it definitely does stand out. You're the most steady, reliable journalist I've ever worked with. Well, um, it's very kind of you to say that, Josh. Um, I, you know, I, I mean, some of it, I suppose, is just my personality. Um, I, I think I learned at a pretty young age. Um, I used to be more volatile. And I, at some point, I sort of decided that that really wasn't a very effective strategy, you know, to get really mad or yell or scream or whatever. You know, that, I mean, that wasn't going to help me achieve whatever my goal was. Um, I've also been involved in managing people for, for a very long time. I mean, I did it in college. You know, I think you, you know, I was the editor of the Daily Nexus at one point in, in the college. And, um, you know, my other jobs, I pretty always quickly um, moved up into management or supervisory kinds of roles. And I, I think I just found that, you know, my, my whole point is, like, I'm trying to get people to do the best job they can. And so how's the best way to approach that? And, you know, I mean, there's different approaches and there's sometimes you need to be a little bit more coddling of someone because you're trying to build them up. And, and I certainly do that from time to time. Um, but, I, but, I, but I found is that people don't, people react to, um, you know, they want, they just want clear guidance uh, and they want you to be straight with them. And that's what I want people to be with me. I don't like people that play games and um, so I, I just, I've always tried to approach, I think probably life that way. Um, and again, I think a lot of it's just my personality. Where did it come from? 
I don't know, my, my dad was a, was an attorney and he was, he was not someone who ever yelled or screamed and uh, same thing with my mom. So maybe I just, you know, parroted some of that behavior. Um, but, but I think that, you know, part of success to me for, for anybody is, is just showing up, you know, I don't care what kind of work you do with your journalist or your plumber, you know, show up, do it the best job you can and, you know, be fair and be straight and, I just believe in that and, and as a like an approach to life. And it's amazing how many times I'll shake my head about some situation and say, why can't people just do their jobs or just do what they're asked to do in a reasonably competent way? I'm not just talking about journalism, I'm just talking about anything. And how often it's just like, gosh, what why can't people just show up and do their job? So so I try to um, you know, model that, I suppose. Um, and at this stage of the game, I it's probably just ingrained in me. Yeah, well, it, it, there's so much to be said for somebody who works with you to know that you're going to be consistent every time because that's safe. And, and when you create that environment, you do get employees such as myself who are like, oh, I got to get this done. You know, it, you raise the bar you're like you don't want to disappoint you because you don't disappoint anyone else. And so trying to keep pace with everybody with you is I think a really uh, good uh, goal that, that people have, and you you create that in people just by your stature and your demeanor. Um, let's go back a little bit. Where did you grow up? Uh, did you always want to be a journalist? Um, I always thought in my head, I think Tom wanted to be a firefighter, just in the way you cover <laughs> fire, and you're so knowledgeable. Yeah, well, I could have seen that. I mean, huh? as I got older, I, I mean, I, I admire the, particularly the fire, I mean, all the, I admire all the, uh, you know, emergency services workers and the first responders, but um, you know, the firefighters in particular have such a brotherhood. And I guess it's also a sisterhood now, whatever you would call that, but a fraternity or, and, you know, I find it really um, inspiring um, and, and the way they, they stick together. But I don't know, I never really considered that. Um, I grew up in the San Fernando Valley um, in the 60s and 70s. So, you know, it was a different era back then. Um, I got involved in journalism in high school. Um, I was basically a frustrated athlete. I went to a very big high school, played a little bit of lower level basketball when I first got to high school, but I, I wasn't good enough to you know, make varsity in a school like that. There's just no way. But then I discovered, oh, you could do sports writing. So I could still be involved in you know, sports, which I, I liked a lot. And um, in a different way. And so I started taking some classes and that, that kind of evolved out into, um, you know, other kinds of journalism, news writing, et cetera, you know, working on the, we had a little weekly high school newspaper that I worked on. Um, and yeah, by the time I was going to college, I pretty much knew that I wanted to be a journalist. Um, I went to UCSB, which is, you know, not necessarily a destination that you go to for journalism. There's no journalism school there. And at the time there was almost nothing today they've got you know a great writing program and whatnot that you know gives much more opportunities um but they have this thing called the daily nexus and um one of the real i think really good things about the nexus and probably one of the bad things is there's 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 no adult supervision there's no journalism program overseeing it so there's a heck of a lot of like hands-on you got to figure it out you learn from the people that are already there um, again, I started as a, in the sports department, uh, doing sports writing, um, in my freshman year. And then halfway through the year, the sports editor just quit and they're, they're kind of looking around saying, well, heck, who's going to be the sports editor? And 
they said, do you want to be the sports editor? I was like, well, okay. Which was kind of unusual that a freshman would get that job, but it was more just the, I happened to be the warm body was still there. Um, and then that kind of just continued on through my college career. I, I pretty much only half jokingly say I pretty much misspent my college career at the Daily Nexus, but, but I learned a heck of a lot. And that's really, you know, what prepared me to eventually become a professional journalist. Mm-hmm. In, in high school, you were on the paper. Was it a story? Was it a teacher? Was it just, you'd like the fact that you could have impact by reporting and then, you know, seeing how people reacted to your stories? What was it that made you think, I want to be a journalist in high school? Yeah, you know, it's, um, first of all, I've, I've always been good at writing. Um, and, and so I liked writing, um, you know, as soon as I didn't have to take more math classes, I didn't. Um, I, I'm not bad at math, but I just, that is not my thing. Um, but I liked writing, I took creative writing classes. And yeah, there was an impact, you know, you would go cover the fo- high school football game. And then, you know, people would talk about it, like, you know, your story is what they're reading for the account of that game. And that's, that's kind of cool. Um, and just seeing that, yeah, you could affect people um, in a positive way. Uh, I mean, in high school, I don't know how deeply I was thinking about all that. I, I just, I thought it was fun to do. Um, but I, I could definitely see it as, as a career. Um, and so I, I sort of kept pursuing it as I got to college. Yeah. And so when you were on the Nexus, <clears throat> I had heard some story. I don't know if this is wrong. I'll just throw it out there. Uh, you were at the, at the time the Nexus was funded by the administration and maybe during your tenure, you, you switched to advertising based and maybe you had a role in that. Is that true? Is partially um, not quite. Uh-huh. So there is a story there though. Um, so when I was at the Nexus, um, this is in the late 1970s. So this is a heck of a long time ago. Um, at the time the paper was funded um, two ways. There was a um, part of it was through student fees um, and not, not from the administration, but from the associated students. Uh, and then most of the, most of the revenue was from advertising. Um, but the, the, the part that came from the student fees was um, at the time was controlled by the student council. And, you know, every once in a while they'd get uppity and, you know, there was always some fight going on about money. And so that every, I don't know, every few months they would threaten to take that money away from the nexus. They get mad at something we reported or whatever. And so one of the year I was editor, I, I, you know, we got kind of tired of this. And so, and it was called a bylaw lock-in. Um, so it was, it was, it was a guaranteed money, but it was by a, a bylaw that the council had passed and they could just pass it to get rid of it. So we decided that we would go out to the students and we did what was called the communications amendment. And so it was a constitutional amendment, which then the council couldn't override. And we, we teamed up with the radio station and the yearbook, the other student media. And we went out and got this amendment approved that made it basically a solid guaranteed lock-in that nobody could take away from us. And it was still only a minority amount of our money. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as part of the process, we like doubled the amount just for the hell of it. And, um, but yeah, so that was a, a long time ago. I think it persists to this day. I don't really know how, you know, what their funding is. I know advertising is, you know, been very difficult for the student media over the last few years and certainly through the pandemic. Um, and most of them are doing mostly online now and not, um, you know, any kind of physical paper. We were the daily nexus. It came out five days a week. So they, there was printing going on, um, which again, I don't think much of that happens today. 
And did you go straight from UCSB to the news press or did you have some jobs in the middle there? No, my first job out of college was at the Santa Maria Times. Huh. Um, I was hired as a as the education reporter. Huh. Um, and I went up there and I was there for two years, started as education reporter. Then I was in a one person bureau up in Arroyo Grande covering basically South San Luis County, uh, which was one of the best jobs I ever had. It was like, it's all by myself. I could do basically cover anything I wanted and the bosses weren't around. So it was like, it was great. Um, and then I ended up there as in an editing role um, part of the time, did some reporting, but I started doing um, basically helping put the paper together and I used to put out the Saturday edition. So I was there two years and then I, then that's when I went to the news press as the County B reporter. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so you've covered so many beats, uh, you know, County and education. It's, it's so helpful when you're managing people, you know, at this stage of your career, because you're able sure. to say, I've been there. Can you talk about your family? I, I know you're very proud of your children and uh, you have made it work here in Santa Barbara, <laughs> you know, working for different publications. Can you talk to me about Tom the person and what your family situation looks like? Sure. Well, I'm married. My wife, Joan, is a landscape designer um, and she does a lot of residential landscape designs. Uh, she specializes in native and drought tolerant kinds of plants and whatnot. Um, she's been doing that for I think close to 30 years now. Um, I have two children that are both grown. My daughter, Laura, is the older one. Um, and she lives in Virginia uh, with her husband um, and our only grandchild, Henry, who are very proud of and dote on. He's, uh, he'll be five later this year. Um, and she runs a food website um, that she does very well with doing recipes and whatnot. Um, and she, she went to UCSB as well. So a fellow gaucho. Um, my son, uh, Timmy, uh, is uh, almost five years younger than she is. Um, he went to college at Cal and he works for the city of Santa Barbara in the long range planning department. I think you probably run into him from time to time. Um, and in fact, he just is moving over to become the staff person for the whole downtown State Street project. Okay. And he started there as an intern and has moved up to um, where now he's a, I can't remember his exact title, but he's some sort of a planner. Um, and he's done very well. And he, he lives here in town, of course. He has a house over on the west side. Yeah. Uh, as a, as a dad myself with two kids, it's really difficult to be a great journalist and be a great dad. Cause there's only so many hours in the day, you know, so it's always one of my goals to balance the balance. The two, you talk about the life of a journalist and you know what, what that means. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, obviously we have great respect in our society for public safety, police officers, firefighters, doctors, nurses. There's these certain professions that people right. really acknowledge as like, wow, you know, it's such a sacrifice that you do. Um, I think less so with journalism. I think people take a lot of journalists for granted in that we have to make a lot of sacrifices to, to fill the paper or to have several stories in the carousel or, you know, a news hawk or just kind of feed the beast. Can you talk about how you've been able to balance the two and I'm sure you've had to make a lot of sacrifices too. Yeah, no, it's challenging. You're right. And, and I, I admire, I mean, you do a really good job of that. I know your, your kids and what you do with them is really important. Um, 
yeah, I, I think that journalists um, overall are are not appreciated the way they should be. I think often they're maligned unfairly. I mean, there certainly are bad apples. Um, and you see, I think, more egregious examples on the national level than than you do at the local level. Um, but but still, I mean, if you take a poll, I mean, journalists, I think maybe we're a notch above lawyers, but, you know, maybe not. <laughs> you know, we're, we're not up in the higher echelons of how we're, you know, held in esteem in the, in the community. Most journalists that I know that I've worked with, and I say the vast majority, work very hard, um, are decent, honest people. Um, they're trying their best. They, it's not a profession where you make a lot of money. Nobody's, almost nobody's getting rich being a journalist. Um, and um, so, you know, it's, it, it, it is challenging. Um, I, I know there's things that I missed with my kids. Um, I tried really hard to, you know, be there for the baseball game or be there for the school play or whatever. And most of the time was successful, but, you know, I, I would have liked to have been able to like coach my kids, but there was just no way I could have done that and, and done my job. It, it, it just, as you say, the hours just weren't there. Um, you know, the, my wife got used to me coming home late or missing dinner or, um, you know, whatever, because something had to be done. Um, something had to be covered, story had to be edited. Uh, um, she knows that when there's big breaking news, I'm just going to sort of evaporate um, as far as the family life goes. And you just have to make peace with that. Um, so again, I, I think that if you look at what the, you know, the typical journalist, certainly at our level does, you know, yourself and our colleagues, and I, and I would send this to, you know, to our competitors as well. They work very hard. Um, and by and large, they do a good job. And I think they're under underappreciated. Yeah. And I think we make sacrifices to be in this community. Um, yep. You, for sure, you know, you could be working if, if that was your goal, any newspaper in America at a high administrative level. And, uh, you know, I could be other places too, but we love this community and we, we, we uh, enjoy being able to do the work in this community, which is really involved. They're educated. They love their journalism. They love their news. And then, of course, it is Santa Barbara and Kalina. It's just a great place to live, but it's, it's a small media market. So we have to make it work and just sort of take the good with the bad. But uh, like you, I really value the, the, the journalism. I still get that little good tingly feeling when I see the, my byline you know it used to be like oh the print now it's in the morning when I wake up oh my story's there and it feels good because you yeah. created something the day before it wasn't there and now now it's there let's talk let's come back and talk about Newshawk uh what where, where is Newshawk headed uh go, going forward we this is a weird media market. You know, we have a daily, we have a weekly, we have citizen journalism with some websites. You know, we have Newshawk, which is uh, kind of doing the best of all of it, in my opinion. Uh, we're small staff, though. What's the outlook here for Newshawk? You know, you're an owner, you're a manager. Where are we headed with this? That's a really good question, Josh. Um, we talk about it a lot, as you can imagine, um, particularly on the on the business side, the ownership side. Um, you know, my first big goal in joining Newshawk um, ten years ago is was you know could could we prove that you know if you put out consistently uh, high quality you know journalism on a, on a regular basis with a, you know a good quantity of that 
you know, could you make a business that was succeeding? And, you know, that's in the context of so many newspapers that are going out of business, that are slashing and burning their staffs. And, and, I, and I've worked in that world, and it's, it's really demoralizing. So the first big question was, could we do that? And that was not a small challenge. Um, when I joined NewsHawk, um, it was definitely in a developing stage. You know, Bill McFadden, who founded it, was kind of doing everything on the leadership side. There was no ed real editor. There was no real ad director. Um, and, and hats off to him. I mean, he was making it work, but you know, it was kind of just barely. And I think he knew that, but then was trying to figure out how to do it through through some kind of fortuitous circumstances, I was able to come on board at that time and take over, you know, really running the news department, which, which is something I do know how to do. And then we were able to get Kim to come on board, Kim Clark, uh, a few months later and do the same thing on the ad side. And that really was a huge um, change. Um, it really created the, the environment for us to go from very you know, very small growth across the board to very significant growth. Um, and we have, you know, we went through some tough times. We, we had a couple of years that, you know, we're kind of barely hanging on financially, but we did. Um, today, we're on a much more uh, solid financial ground. Um, that's due to, I think, just the evolution of the organization. Um, it's due and, and to our great gratitude to a huge amount of financial support from the community, uh, people who join our Hawks Club um, and, and value local journalism and are willing to basically just give us money to keep doing what we do. Um, that's made a huge difference in what we do. Um, so I think we're, we're, you know, we thought about, is there a way to, in a sense, you know, scale up NewsHawk? I mean, can you take NewsHawk and go make one in Bakersfield and go make one in, you know, somewhere else? And, and the answer is you could, but part of the success you know, we came to realize of NewsHawk was we have all this um, experience and, and time spent in this community, myself, Bill, Kim, you, I mean, you know, if you kind of look across the board. And so in order to replicate that somewhere else, I think you would have to have that same kind of a team. You know, you can't just parachute in and say, here's here's NewsHawk in a box, now go do it. Um, yeah, it really, so much of it, it comes down to having the right people. And, and as you well know, Santa Barbara is a, is a town that is so much is based on relationships. Yeah. You know, it's, it, sometimes it feels like a big city, but it's really a small town and it's so, so much of its relationships. And I, again, I don't know how you replicate that on a franchise kind of basis so so our, our you know our current plans are just to continue to grow um probably do more in the north county because we only really have one person consistently working up there um we'd like to be able to focus more on specific communities uh dig more deeply into montecito for example and also into some topics um you know that we do certainly cover but if we had more staff and and more resources we could cover better and more deeply planning and development is an obvious one um there are other issues um healthcare, mental health um again we touch on those but um our hope and expectation is to continue to slowly add to the size of our staff um you know we added two positions in the, in the heat of the pandemic which is really counterintuitive. We added a reporter and we added a, a salesperson. And we knew there was some risk to doing that, but we felt like we had a lot of momentum and that would really um, help us get more momentum and have more success. 
and it basically did. Um, so, you know, we're, we're fairly conservative. I don't mean politically. I mean, just in terms of how we run our business, we um, are really careful about how we spend money, but we also try to, you know, make sure that we're making those tactical and, and uh, strategic investments that allow us to continue to, to see success. And, you know, our budget and our, our situation is, is very stable right now. Um, and absent, you know, something that nobody could see coming, I think we'll continue to, you know, steadily grow and, and get bigger and better. Yeah, I want to touch on a couple of points I hear out there all the time. Two things. Uh, I love Newshawk because you guys aren't biased. You just tell the news. You're down the middle. Um, and that's what I want. Okay. I hear that more often than anything else. I also hear, oh, uh, a little bit conservative. You know, sometimes for some people, being down the middle is being conservative, <laughs> you know, it's not, you know, where they want yeah. their news to be. Uh, and so I asked Bill McFadden this when, when I had him on the show and, you know, I want to just sort of talk to you for those people in the community who think, Oh, Newshawk is the conservative outlet and the weeklies, the liberal outfit, and, you know, the other papers, the, you know, real far right, you know, can what is Newshawk? I mean, can you explain to that? I, we don't we don't do endorsements, but there can be a perception sometimes that you know we're not to the left enough. Can, can you talk about what that is? Well, we're we're not to the left, nor are we to the right. I mean, our goal is to be right down the middle, and I'm talking about the news operations now. Um, nobody should be able to read our stories and know what my politics are, what your politics are, what you know, Janine's, Jana's, um, any of our staff members, they should not be able to tell them. And I would defy them to, to, to point to a story and say that points to a XYZ bias, you know, it's, it just doesn't. Um, we don't do endorsements. Uh, we don't write editorials. We allow other people to do that. We try to provide a broad spectrum of opinions, you know, in the, in the opinion section. Um, you know, I've heard people say, yeah, you're, we're too conservative, we're, we're too liberal. Um, I mean, kind of you're getting complaints from both sides. I feel like we're probably in a pretty good place. I mean, clearly Bill McFadden has his, his views and he expresses those in his column. And as he says at the beginning of every column, those are his opinions. Um, and I think some people probably, you know, from that draw a conclusion that, well, somehow that means, um, I don't think there's any secret that Bill is to the right of center. Um, that that somehow means that um you know that's affecting the news but it's not i mean not once has bill ever given me any kind of a direction or push that i would say you know came from you know a political point of view um you know he'll raise issues uh, usually good issues um, but in the end he leaves it to the news staff to decide you know what we're going to cover how we're going to cover it um and you know i don't think you can ask for really much more than that yeah. Okay. And I want to ask you, you know, you've mentored so many students over the years, uh, just uh, young journalists, and, and you, you talk about being in the Daily Nexus. You've hired people over the years. You've had to let people go. You've nurtured people. Um, what advice do you have to, to journalists out there? Because as we know, to, to be a journalist today is not the same as it was 10, 20, 30 years ago, money's different. You're expected to do more things. Like when I was hired at the news press, you know, they would, they would just 
write stories. You know, we had a photography staff. And now a lot of, not just news talk, everywhere you go, you're going to have to be a multimedia journalist. You got to take pictures, sometimes shoot photo, write stories. What advice do you have to people getting in the industry? Well, I mean, some of it's the kind of Boy Scout stuff, which is, you know, work hard and, um, you know, eat your vegetables, et cetera. Um, but I think, you know, when people ask for advice um, as, as in terms of journalism, uh, I, there's a few things I pretty much come back to. One is read as many good journalists as you can anywhere. I don't, you know, I don't care where they work. Um, find good journalists and read them and try to understand what it is about the way they do their job that makes that those stories good. Um, I think working on writing is hard. You know, most of us who go into this business are good writers, generally good writers. Um, but the best writers I know anguish over it. They work really hard about you know, word choices and transitions and I mean, everything. And if you stop doing that, then your writing kind of flattens out and it's not that it's bad, but so I, I really encourage people to do that. Read a lot of everything. I think just reading is really important. Um, I think in today's world, developing uh, multiple skill sets um, is not enough to know how to report and write. Mm -hmm. You need to understand how social media works. Um, you need to understand how um, data works, how spreadsheets work. Um, and I think getting experience in all those areas and getting uh, trained in all those areas is really important. And like you said, I mean, today you have to be, you have to know how to get images. You have to theoretically know how to do videos. And, and I think they teach a lot of that today in the, in the journalism schools um, that certainly we didn't learn when, um, I mean, I, I consider myself an old dog. I, I'm, I certainly try to learn the new tricks, but there's stuff that's going on today that just blows me away and, and it's just really cool stuff and i mean just this podcast is you know these things didn't really exist much 10 or 15 years ago and today they're, they're out there and so it's just another channel if you will for um you know conveying the journalism yeah well you've reinvented yourself really well as well as anybody over the years i mean well you, you know how many of our our colleagues over the years have gone into pr or they just did something else, um, you know, and, and you, you know, you've just been a journalist this whole time and, you know, you're on Twitter and social media. I mean, that's not a fun world. I mean, that's, it's such a puzzle. It's a mystery. Like, how do you yeah. get social media? But, you know, you're there figuring it out. So. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I've always been a curious person. I think that's another thing. If you're going to be a journalist, you have to just be naturally curious. Yeah. If you're not, then you really should go into another line of work because, you know, one of the great things about being a journalist is that we get to ask the nosy questions. You know, we get to ask the question everybody's wanting to ask, but they're too polite or you're not supposed to ask that question. And we get to go ask it and, and then get the answer and then tell everybody. Um, and that's that's kind of cool. Um, but you have to be curious uh, about life. And and um, I'm really grateful. I mean, I've had some, you know, my downs in, in life and in my career but it's always led me some, somewhere good. And you know, I, I think the other advice I have for people is going back to what we were talking about earlier is you just have to have some stamina and perseverance and keep moving ahead and recognizing that, yeah, things aren't always gonna go the way you want and some stuff may happen. And certainly in today's industry with layoffs and some of that other stuff, I think that can be very demoralizing, but um, 
Never in the history of the world has there been more information out there and more of a need for somebody to help make sense of that information. And that's really what we do as journalists is our job is to go out and try to understand it and then convey that in some you know, clear and intelligent way. Um, and so the need is greater. So the question is, what's the model? What's the, you know, the, whether it's a model of how do you make a living or how do you make, make a business a going concern? People are figuring that out. I mean, that's been one of the challenges of NewsHawk is, you know, newspapers essentially have been the same for 150 years. And for most of that time, they were very lucrative. You didn't really have to be good. You just had to have a, a big sack to put your money in. Um, that has changed over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And so now you have this new thing and, and we're trying to figure out, well, what's, what's the model that f for the next thing, for the, for the digital um, journalism world. And I think a lot of what we've done at NewsHawk is proving out, um, but who knows? I mean, who knows what it's gonna be in five years, 10 years. Um, I mean, at some point I'm gonna age out. And so it's gonna become your problem and, and the young people's problem or, or challenge, I don't wanna say problem, to figure out like, what, what's next. Um, but it's exciting. I mean, I, I, I think all the stuff that's happening online and um, you know how quickly we can get information out to people today. Um, I mean, if you think back to um, you know, when you started at the news press, I think we were still using this stuff called film. Remember film? You put it into the cameras and they took pictures and then you'd have to take that film and go develop it. And then you'd have to edit it and then either scan it or make prints or what have you. Um, whereas today, you know, you can be at the scene with your phone, take an image, text it to me, and I can have that online in 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 minutes, if not seconds. Um, as opposed to, well, we'll, we'll give you the photo tomorrow morning in the morning edition. So, I mean, that's exciting. I think it's yeah. really exciting. Yeah. Well, I want to give you the last word here, uh, Tom. We talked about NewsHawk going forward. Obviously, people are going to be tuning into this. They're going to have some familiarity with you and I and NewsHawk. But for those of you who, for, the, for those people out there who don't know uh, what to find at NewsHawk, what to expect from NewsHawk, can you just talk about what stands out in the world of journalism that we have in this community um, you know, what's your best sort of take on why NewsHawk is special? Well, I, we've talked about a lot of the aspects, I think, Josh. Um, you know, we see our job is, is providing as much news and information about our community as we can on a consistent basis, certainly a daily basis and really more than a daily basis. Um, you know, frequent readers of NewsHawk know that, that you'll see stuff in the morning, but then there'll be stuff posted throughout the day. Um, certainly breaking news is something we focus on um, because we know that's really important to readers. But we also know that just as important is, you know, what's happening in City Hall, what's happening in our schools, what's happening with our nonprofit community, which we've been, you know, very uh, aligned with um, and do a lot of coverage with. And they've been very supportive of NewsHawk. Um, we have an unparalleled operation covering local sports. Um, so I, I think that, you know, what is NewsHawk? It's, it's the modern day version of the daily newspaper. And certainly, you know, some of our colleagues and other organizations in the community do some good work. Um, I'm a believer in journalism in general. So I, I like to see as much journalism as possible. You know, we don't have a monopoly on, on good work in journalism, but for, for consistently getting um, 
that news and information, which includes our advertising. You know, people don't always think about that, but advertising is important information too. It's important, of course, for the advertiser, but also for, for the people receiving it. You know, they, they hey, they want to know about stuff that's going on in, in that part of our world. So yeah, again, I, I just think that if you're looking for that and you want it in a form that doesn't have an agenda, is not, uh, is, is completely, you know, targeting being unbiased, being fair, um, we, we try really hard to be first, but I always tell our staff and I tell the community, more important than being first for us is getting it right. And we see too many situations where other people don't get it right because they're in such a hurry. So, um, you know, that's what we are. That's what we will continue to be. Um, again, we've had tremendous support on all levels from the community. And, and I, I think you said something really important that I would maybe want to close in is, is we are part of the community. You know, I've lived in Santa Barbara County for more than 40 some years. Um, and you know, I, I love this community, not just because it's a beautiful place and all that, but because you know this is where I've spent my most of my adult life. This is where my kids were born and grew up. And you know, I'm committed and, and I think our staff is committed to doing the best we can to serve that community that we love. Yeah, well said. And just know, Tom, you can never retire. You know, I, 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 <laughs> I, <becoming> I, <laughs> I, uh, I always, you know, not always, but sometimes I'll occasionally tweet, you know, like, you know, look how much work I did just because I guess I'm feeling, you know, needing you do a lot of work, gosh. But you, you do, I mean, you really uh, do a lot of work consistently and it's very inspirational. So I hope uh, you are always at Newshawk, you know, because you set the pace in so many different ways. But thanks a lot for your time, Tom. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed it. Okay, take care.